Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about the 401k, the history, the purpose, shortcomings, and the need for reform. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Good morning. Welcome, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. I, this is a really exciting uh, podcast for us today because, you know, a lot of times our listeners say, we don't understand you're, you're talking about business, but then you talk about, you know, personal economy. Well, I think Ted's going to help us, you know, m- marry both of those because obviously personal economies come into play because you have the ability to do something with your employer. And then also our, all of our business owners are going to uh, hopefully get some wisdom from Ted to see how they can attract and retain employees. So I think everybody's going to benefit from this today. Oh, absolutely. And way to welcome Ted to the show. So Ted Benna, the father of the 401k, is our special guest today. Welcome, Ted. Hey, welcome, Pleasure to be with you guys today. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to this discussion. And so let's go ahead and set the stage a little bit here. So as a business owner, which you probably are as a listener of this podcast, maybe you're self-employed or maybe you're a real estate investor, your goal is to have as much control as possible in your financial life. And you're typically looking for financial strategies that help you accomplish those goals. So 401ks might or might not be something that are a fit for you. But the one thing that we really want to keep in the forefront of our mind when we're making any financial decisions is this. What is the purpose of this financial tool? And what is the purpose that I want to accomplish in my financial life? And what helps me accomplish that most effectively? So we can absolutely all agree that education is absolutely critical. And as we have education, we're empowered to be able to make decisions and take action and and build confidence in our financial life. So there's many tools that people are familiar with. One of those is the 401k. And we have with us one of the people who has the most enlightened perspective to be able to talk about 401ks today. And that's Ted Benna, the man who invented the 401k. So we're going to discuss the history of why 401ks began, who they're meant for, how they've changed since then, and be transparent and forthright about why there's a coming retirement crisis and what you can do about it if you want to take control of your financial destiny. Now, we also want to agree that we're probably not going to agree on everything. And we all have different perspectives. We have a different frame of reference that we're coming from. And I want to share this quote as we come into this discussion today, because as we're exploring and building knowledge, this is really important. It's a a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he said, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. So as we're coming into this discussion today, we want to remember that idea that we all have this financial map and nothing for you changes unless you're willing to expand your map and see from someone else's perspective. And so sometimes we'll come into that conversation with other people who see differently. It's important to recognize that we all have our own map. And as we don't just want to defend our own map, but we want to not have that conflict, we want to learn something new and step off our own map and onto someone else's. So today we're going to be learning about what's possible. So 
Let's zoom out for a quick moment. So where does this fit in our survival to significance cash flow system? First, we have a foundation to keep more of the money you make. Then we want to protect your money. And finally, you want to increase and make more. Now, 401ks may potentially be part of your investing strategy in the third phase of making more money. So again, today we're going to be asking and answering, what does the 401k help me to accomplish? So a little bit more about Ted Benna before we jump into the crux of the interview here. So Ted Benna is commonly referred to as the father of the 401k because he created and gained IRS approval for the first 401k savings plan. He has received many citations for his accomplishments, including the 2001 National Jefferson Award recipient for greatest public service by a private citizen, the 2001 Player of the Year selected by Defined Contribution News, one of eight individuals selected by Money Magazine for its special 20th anniversary issue Hall of Fame. He was also selected by Business Insurance as one of the four people of the century and one of 10 selected by Mutual Fund Market News for its special 10th anniversary issue legends in our own time. And finally, I want to mention he has a Lifetime Achievement Award by Defined Contribution News 2005. He's a pretty accomplished gentleman. Ted has also authored four books, the latest of which is 401k for Dummies. And as you'll hear today, he's working on new projects as well. So we're thankful for this opportunity to talk with you, Ted. Hey, great. So, so would you share with us a little bit about who you were before the 401k. What's your backstory? Hey, uh, Rachel, I'm a country bunkin. I grew up <laughs> on a dairy farm. And, uh, my wife and I settled in Philadelphia. And as many well-planned careers uh, evolve, I answered an ad for a math clerk, which was you know my strong area in school. Happened to be in the uh, pension department of a uh, life insurance company in Philadelphia. That's what uh, got me engaged in this field. And I was working uh, initially as an actuarial grunt and then administering defined benefit pension plans. And from there, I joined a couple of guys who uh, were uh, you know, big in the insurance business. And uh, in Philly, we started a benefit consulting company you know, from scratch and uh, built that to 350 employees and then sold it. And uh, you know, since then, I've uh, pretty much been on my own, building a couple of small businesses, writing, speaking, and, uh, you know, still doing uh, consulting to employers, helping them to deal with retirement. So, Ted, you were really instrumental in creating the 401k, and you kind of shared how you came into that. So tell us about how the 401k came about and what you were looking to accomplish with that. Why did you create it in the first place? Okay, well, the details are actually on the site. Is it okay to mention that? Oh, yes. Yes, uh, you know, benefit401k.com, and, you know, that gives the, uh, you know, the detailed history. And uh, probably the first point, you know, to not get draw this out too long is realizing that this politically was a fluke. It was never, never intended. And, you know, and that's pretty astounding given the magnitude of what this program is today, obviously. Rachel, you know, it was... When it was added to the uh, Internal Revenue Code uh, through a tax bill 40 years ago in 1978, it was only a page, page and a half long. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey compare wow. that to Obamacare. You know, how long was Obamacare? <laughs> this was only a page and a half, okay? And, 
you know, it was enacted for a very different reason. We uh, know it as a, uh, and, you know, that history's there. It's not really that important to get into it. But, you know, I was uh, engaged with an assignment, you know, with a client. And that's, you know, when generally I've had creative things happen, uh, guys, it's, you know, it's when I have to come up with an answer. When I had a client who had been told, well, you can't do this. Uh, fortunately, I was always able to come up with a, a workable answer. And, uh, you know, this this happened to be one of those situations where I was uh, faced with a challenge of helping a bank client revamp its retirement program. And, you know, in the process, there's a myth and there's a reality around this story. The myth is I discovered this little paragraph that was hidden that no one had found before that has appeared in print. It's not a claim. Uh, you, you know, many people, you know, knew this little paragraph was there. What I did was I interpreted it in a different way than what was intended. And what I brought to the table was adding the employer matching contribution. And I did that because I knew we had to get a high level of participation from rank and file employees for this to be a workable program. And I knew a you know, small amount of tax savings alone weren't likely to accomplish that. So I married together the idea of some tax break and additional money from your employer if you do that. And the other thing was the ability for an employee to make pre-tax contributions on their own. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't anything you know in the legislation that said you could do either of those, but there also wasn't anything saying thou shalt not. So I you know chose to take the more interpretive uh, more aggressive interpretation, and ultimately, you know, both those ideas were supported by the uh, regulatory treasury. Uh, you know, a year or so after I designed this program, just you know, to add to it, the bank turned it down because their attorney didn't want them mm. pioneering something new. So we actually put the first four hundred one k savings in from company, which uh, you know was only about thirty five employees at the time. And that uh, that plan was effective January 1, uh, 1981. So 1981 was the first 401k enacted. And you said it was by a company separate from the bank that was about 35 employees, right? It was our own, our own consulting company. Oh, your own? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So who would you say then the 401k was specifically designed for? Who who benefited most from it? Was it the employer, the employee, the high-paid executive? The rank and file person, who was it trying to help, or or were you looking for a win-win-win among all of them? Actually, uh, Rachel, and if you, know, you read some of the stories about my involvement with this, you uh, you'll find that I was considering actually getting out of this business and uh, you know pursuing some ministry opportunities, and I'd actually taken some steps you know in that direction, and. Uh, the reason for that was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, up to that point, I had been working primarily with professional entities, uh, you know, doctors, attorneys, you know, small business owners, but particularly the special, uh, you know, the professional market. And, you know, what I helped them to do well was uh, set up uh, legally plans that they can put a lot of money into pre-tax and give as little as possible to their employees, which was the motivation of most of them. And, uh, you know, I'd reached a point in my life, I was uh, 38 at the time, you know, 37, 38, thinking, 
That's why I want to look at as a career. You know, that's what I did. So, you know, that's uh, why I was uh, thinking about uh, shifting gears. And so it was in, you know, I was kind of you know, really in that process of uh, seeking where to head next that the 401k thing happened. And that changed uh, my perspective. And the reason for it, for 401k has been identified and it happened during the last election as a plan for the wealthy. And, you know, that isn't correct. I mean, you know, top execs in major companies, uh, Rachel, as you're well aware, you know, 401k is nothing to them. I mean, their big payoff or you know, through stock options and, you know, non-qualified programs that pay out tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, the 401k is ho-hum to them. You know, they're not good. They don't work well for the bottom end. You're lower paid. So it's really mid-America. You know, so mm-hmm. earning 25, 30 to 150,000 that the 401k works well for. And, uh, you know, uh, that's a, a group that I uh, I can relate to, you know, I'm, to help that group. That group needs help savings for retirement. So, so Ted, when um, when you initiated this in your company, and then I suppose you then went out and somebody then sold the idea to other companies. How receptive were they, and how quickly did this, you know, uh, idea spread? Hey, uh, Bruce, that's a great question. Uh, first. Uh, Part of the answer is we uh, we were told by our advisory board this is too big for you guys you know go sell it for a bunch of money and ted start working on the next idea so we actually mm-hmm. tried without naming to uh, sell this and all the uh, you know all the know how to go with it to two insurance companies and for a million bucks and got turned down so we decided we may as well uh, try and take it to market ourselves and we also by the way uh found out we so we used smokescreen. We originally called Cashop, uh, which is a name we registered because we figured out six months maybe ahead of our competition to uh, take advantage of this. But it was tough getting into market, uh, you know, without getting in too deeply into this. It was tough, you know, getting uh, any recognition out there in the marketplace. That took uh, a, a lot of work before that happened. And uh, so we, an article we uh, that finally appeared in the New York Times. Uh, kicked it off pretty big time. Uh, but, you know, the whole idea of saving for retirement was a foreign concept. And uh, so, you know, when we first introduced this and hit the press, the reaction was, What's, it isn't legal, you can't do it. And then that was quickly followed by, you know, it won't work, employees won't save for retirement. And uh, I ran into that many, many times. The first uh, large company I worked with was Bethlehem Steel. And, uh, the first meeting I had with them was with a, you know, a whole room full of CSX. And I and I made the comment, you know, it's, hey, it's time for your employees to start saving for retirement. And I was politely told by the director, uh, our employees don't need to do that. We take we take care of them forever. And uh, that usually gets some chuckles. You two are too young. To well, well, no, no, no. No, no, we understand. <laughs> no, I was, I was trying to be respectful to see what the next comment was going to be. <laughs> Uh, how were they? How were they going to take care of them forever? Well, they had a uh, defined uh, benefit. Plan. They had a defined benefit pension plan, yeah. and they had also had retiree health care for life. And within two years after I met with them, they were in court because they were uh, trying to ratchet down on their health care commitment. And of course, you know, not too far down the road, they um, you know they were fighting to survive. I did a lot of work over the years mm-hmm. in the steel industry, and you know. Um, 
including negotiations at the union table. So I know a good bit about the, you know, the trauma. Oh, sure. So you're coming in then and showing how can the employer then be in a position where they're not on the hook for paying the pension forever and retirement health care with this option to have the employee save and have a defined contribution plan instead of defined benefit? Well, that actually, that wasn't in play, Rachel. At this oh, point. okay. Uh, you know, Bethlehem Steel, like many, I, I'm well, let me back up. And I'm, I'm often asked, did you expect this thing to get big, you know, as fast as it did? My answer was, well, yeah, sure. And the reason for that was that large companies like Bethlehem Steel had one of the thrift savings plans, thrifter savings plans already in place, you, you know, where you put money in as an employee, back and you got a match. So what I was presenting to them wasn't, hey, this is an alternative to your pension plan. This is a way to increase retirement security by giving your employees the option of saving pre-tax. And the significance of that, and we need to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. you know, how this, this has impacted retirement security, is that those savings plans that were in place were glorified Christmas clubs. The employees had money deducted from their pay all year long. And most of them at the end of the year took the money out. And they also were allowed to take the employer money out after two years. And typically 85 to 90% did that. And mm. the weird thing about these, uh, you know, they were qualified retirement plans, but no money was accumulating for retirement. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened is those type of companies added a 401k feature. So now what they did was they put their employees in position to say, hey, are we going to continue to treat this as a Christmas club or are we going to go pre-tax? If we flip the pre-tax, there's a gotcha because we can't just take the money out the end of the year. You know, you you only take it out for these hardship withdrawal provisions or part of 401k. So what happened is more and more employees opted to go tax. Mm-hmm. So the significance of that, and I have family members, you know, family members who worked at Bethlehem Steel at UPS and, you know, other places that went through that process. And, you know, hey, these are rank and file people. I mean, we're not talking, you know, execs that because of those companies making that change, walked away with nice pensions, uh, Social Security and, you know, healthy six figure 401k balances and have done very well in retirement. So the point of all this, and you know, we can go into more detail on it, is to this point in time, we're actually increased retirement security rather than hurt it. Now, you know, we got a whole different game going forward here in terms of working out, you know, what's in the last 40 years generally. Can you say that last part again? I just didn't hear it. I'm not sure if it picked up well. You said in the last four years, just say that that portion of the sentence again. Well, things have changed dramatically over the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the workforce, I mean, you know, longevity and work. You know, there, there's a perception widely held that we once had a wonderful retirement system and it's been all screwed up. And, you know, when I started at Provident Mutual in Philadelphia, they had a pension plan. To get in at 30 if you were male, 35 if you were female, Rachel, and you had to stay until you were 60 to get a benefit, okay? Mm-hmm. That wasn't exactly wonderful, all right? And, you know, when employers went out of business back in that time and had underfunded plan, 
you know, most or a lot of the benefits were lost. And you know, that was the nature of the beast. In addition, more than 30% of the private sector ever had traditional benefit coverage, pension coverage, no more than 30%. So, you know, the perception that we once had everybody getting pensions and retiring and living happily ever after pensions is Right. Right. I want to ask you, so you mentioned as well um, that things have changed in the last 40 years. So in your opinion, I mean, I know we look at the tax landscape has significantly changed from a high tax environment to lower now. But in your opinion, what has changed over the last 40 years and kind of what has gone wrong and why do you now see the need for reform? Okay. Well, let me start with the pension system. Um, you know, defined benefits started to die and they're going to continue to die. And 401k is cited as the primary reason, but that isn't correct. Uh, for die when ERISA was passed back in 1974, uh, I used to make my living selling defined benefit pension plans. It became impossible to sell them you know, once that legislation was put in place. And we don't have time you know, to go into details. I have that history in you know, the book that we're going to talk a little bit later on the process putting out right now. So we had companies move from pension plans. Uh, you know, that would be happening whether 401k was still around or not. And uh, so the reality of that shift, Rachel, is that you know, an unintended consequence of legislation that was designed to protect the pension system is killing it. And then we had this fluky little paragraph 401k added, you know, that was never intended to be the backbone of the private retirement. So that's expected to carry this big heavy load that, you know, was never intended. All right. So, you know, it's no mystery mm -hmm. that we're kind of where we are and saying, Wow, what in the heck you know, are we looking at going forward? You mm -hmm. know, that's kind of a quick picture of how we have now evolved to a system where going forward, individuals right. pretty much have the responsibility for dealing with it on their own and taking control and knowing what the heck they're doing and doing things like, you know, you and others encourage mm -hmm. us saying, Hey man, you gotta have a plan. Yeah, you gotta have a strategy, you know, because nobody else is gonna do it. Yeah, more more than just hey, one product. Hey, Go ahead, hey, Bruce. Right, Ted. So that brings up a point that I, I've always been trying to figure out is why don't people have plans and strategies? And I'm often wondering if that's because, you know, as we look back, the people of today are the, the children of people that, although maybe it is 30%, they were of people that did have a pension social security and a savings program and so they didn't get financial education from their own parents and now they really don't know where to turn to because there's so much financial noise out there in the media but the other thing is which is like a perfect storm when erisa came in it was just a couple years after nixon took us off the gold standard which also caused a tremendous amount of inflation during that time period where people, I believe, probably found it a little harder to save. Do you have any thoughts on those two comments? No, other than uh, certainly agree, there's been a lot that's happened. Are you saying that 401ks then are more of a, 
of a, a responsibility of the employer to take care of the individual or the individual needs to be taking care of themselves? Individuals need to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if their goal, I mean, you, you, you either kind of have one of two goals as I see it. Uh, you know, there's an element that you folks deal with that have a goal to do well and let's get you know, to kind of maybe be wealthy, you know, as we look mm-hmm. at, on a broad scale. And nothing wrong with that, uh, certainly. Uh, and, you, you know, there are uh, proven successful ways of coaching people to be able to do that. And, you know, I laud you folks for what you're doing with that group. The vast majority, hey, hey, not, we, we can't have a society where everybody, you know, is filthy, rich, and wealthy, all right? Mm-hmm. You know, who's, who's going to mow our lawns? You know, who's going to take care of the clean rooms in the hotel? Yeah, all this, okay, getting our food, food, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, we need a healthy middle class. That's what's made America different and unique. And, right. y- you know, mo- most who are in that category uh, aren't motivated beyond going to work every day, earning my paycheck, hopefully building enough that I someday don't have to keep doing that when the alarm clock goes off and I can retire. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm around, around them, you know. I mean, that's uh, we, we need those folks, you know, that are steady, you know, in the workforce, and that's their goal. Unfortunately, we have too many below that, <laughs> You know, they don't even work. They want to be totally taken care of forever. And I see too many of those too. So, mm-hmm. so that's kind of the three audiences, you know, that I, you know, that I see. You, you, your work's, you know, more for the ones that are motivated that, hey, look, uh, you know, we, we want to be the entrepreneurs that do and build big things. And Well, that that's true. That's true, Ted. But um, I work with E3 Consultants Group in St. Louis and our, uh, our group will accept anybody at any financial level. I mean, we have people that place on, you know, as little as $25,000 with our firm and our average is about $375,000 of, of money with our firm. So it's not like we're looking out for only the highly, you know, um, affluent people. We, we enjoy these kind of uh, these challenges to help the middle class because I think oh, absolutely, I agree with it. I, I you know, I, I, I appreciate that, and uh, I guess my passion right now, where I'm focusing on the things that I'm doing, are folks that don't have that. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not even close to having twenty five thousand right. dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, to right, they'll get the kind you can provide it, and I guess you know that's my interest at this point is more in terms of that gang and how do we get them into the game to get more of them to point, you know, where they uh, move, move ahead and take the next steps. You know, I, I do a lot of research on a lot of different things when, whenever I'm preparing for either a podcast or preparing for questions with my clients. And in 2011, you know, that was uh, kind of a, a storm that hit you when you made a couple of comments. Are there anything in that transparency a moment that you would like to clarify for the audience? Uh, yeah, I appreciate that opportunity, Bruce. The first one is the fact that, yeah, you know, it, it appeared that I was uh, out to destroy 401k. And, and that wasn't mm. what I was focusing on. 
uh, you know, the um, writer either didn't understand or what, whatever. What I was really talking about was the investment structure. When I said blowing it up, I wasn't talking about for I address the investment side. A 401k in its rawest mm -hmm. form is nothing more than a way to help people save money for the future, retirement or otherwise. And what it does is it converts spenders into saving by making saving the first priority. And I've had, you know, tons of participants over the years, including myself, you know, who have acknowledged they would have never begun to have accumulated what they did without the 401k, you know, that it happens right. first rather than, you know, the last thing that you do. Uh, the, pay, the pain in 401k, anguish over, which is uh, very real, comes to the fact that if you have money, you have to invest right. it. And right. that's the pain. And so when I was talking about blowing up the investment structure, there are two pieces of it specifically. The first is the fact it's become much more complex than necessary. You know, the, the original plans only had two options and you split your money 25% multiples. It took less than a minute for me to explain the options to participants. It wasn't anything really with that structure. Mm -hmm. okay. Right. Uh, you know, making it uh, as complicated as today really hasn't hasn't helped. Okay. The other is what's happened on the expense side, and the expense side of it has just gotten outrageously ugly. And again, I have that history in the book. Uh, you know, employ many employers have uh, not handled their responsibility well in this regard. And the investment community, what they've done is pretty outrageous. So what do you think needs to improve then? I mean, fees, it sounds like is a is an important thing. Well, I, and I know it's an important thing, mm -hmm. but what else what else do you think needs to improve in that area? In, in a bigger scale, uh, you, you know, if I were the retirement guru nationally and had the power to do it, I, I would require that all employers you know, with more than, let's say, five or 10 employees have to offer a form of payroll deduction to help people save. Now, that will get a ton of people upset. I get hate mail on that one, uh, you, you know, but here's what we're dealing with. The, um, you know, over half the workforce has retirement going for the mother and Social Security. You know, that hasn't changed. I mean, that's existed for years. Right. Now, what's happening, mm -hmm. you know, the Obama administration uh, took a shot at that with my, which was money going in through payroll from the bonds, the national government answer. They would have liked to have forced all employers to have to offer that. That didn't succeed. But now a growing number of states are enacting legislation requiring employers to offer a form of payroll deduction retirement savings. And, you know, Oregon is an example of a program that costs participants over 1% uh, over fees. And things I don't like about that are, you know, those of us who hate big government, right. we're, we're leaving this issue hang there, not tackling it effectively in the private sector. And, you know, we, we leave the door open for uh, states or feds to continue to go down this road. And, you know, there are those out there who are promoting the idea of, well, the answer is we should have a mandatory, federally run defined contribution plan on top of our facility. And 
uh, you know, that will get growing support if the private sector doesn't more effectively deal with the fact that half the workers out there don't have an opportunity. So, you know, my challenge to your small business owners out there is, hey, it's not that big a deal, you know, for you to provide a program that will help employees via payroll deduction. Uh, you know, start to start to save some money, some money. You know, they're not, you know, they're not people that got $25,000, don't have anything, okay? They're going paycheck to paycheck. You know, let them, let them learn, you know, what, actually having an account that has a little money in it uh, feels like. Mm-hmm. So you shared then, you have a couple things that you're working on right now. And one is specifically a guide that has multiple pieces inside of it to help with some of these changes and to provide employ or to really point employers in a direction of solving some of these problems. Can you talk a little bit about that guide that you're putting together for employers? Sure, Rachel. It's uh, called uh, Sell Your Own 401k, you know, with a subtitle and and save a lot of money. Uh, It contains three specific models, you know, for small employers that will enable them to mirror the benefits of of 401k without all the cost, um, you know, complexity or or liability exposure. And, um, you know, there, there are available alternatives out there. And, uh, you, you know, the first two of them, I, I took, you know, something, things that are out there already in existence and found a way to, you know, to be able to add a matching contribution for little employers that, uh, you know, want that opportunity. You know, uh, empl- employers do have to compete for good employees. And we're, we're getting in a more competitive labor market again here where, you know, have, having something uh, to compete with the uh, business that, that uh, offer plan, uh, certainly a good idea for, you know, for business owner. Uh, but, you know, key, key is the right plan. You know, many, many small employers are sold 401k plans because they're popular. And that's what the f- financial advisors uh, push and, you know, make money uh, selling. Um, you know, for, uh, for many small employers are better alternatives for them. And so your guide really shares some of those those alternatives, which um, can be something different in addition, an alternative to the four hundred one k, correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you and, and I'll give you. Uh, you know, we put the guide out last fall. There've been a number of small employers have utilized it. Uh, you're able to provide service with it. That for two hundred fifty dollars, if you know you don't want to figure this thing out on your own. You know, we'll, we'll actually uh, take your information and, you know, give you a recommendation and uh, of, of what might be best. But I'll take a specific story here. I had a, a small business in the area approach me at the time I was wrapping this thing up and said, hey, would you look at our 401k? We're not really happy with the service we're getting, whatever. And so I went in and looked at it and they were paying over $1,500 a year in fees. It was eight employee company and participants were paying. 2.75%. I mean, mm. you know, so we just, uh, switched to model three, eliminated employer fees totally. Cost of participants went down to 0.15%. I mean, you know, how much more dramatic can you get than that? Oh, sure. And, and the, you know, and the provider, I won't, I won't name them uh, here in the air, but it was, you know, it was one of the six or seven largest uh, providers in the country, you know, that had uh, that level of fee. So, I mean, There'll be a lot of those plans out there. That's excellent. So thank you for sharing that. I, I wanted to kind of come back to one additional point. And so 
for somebody maybe who is self-employed or building a business and building this successful operation that they're able to become wealthy with, they're serving a lot of people, they're providing a tremendous amount of value. Um, maybe they're not necessarily interested in having money in the market. They want to invest in real estate instead. They want control and access of their money. Do you see 401ks as something that is a fit for them or not? It may or may not be, uh, you know, part of the, uh, Rachel, I mean, they're, you know, doing, doing quite well. Um, I, I guess it seems to me prob and, uh, probably what they need to think about is they have, they have alternatives, you know, they have a number of alternatives to consider. Um, I guess my general reaction is if you have a successful business as a consultant or otherwise, and I put myself in the same category, that it makes most sense for me to keep investing in myself and what I'm doing. You know, it's the first first investment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I think I'm more productive financially investing in myself in my own areas of expertise than other areas that I don't know that much about, all right? Absolutely. So, so then, you know, recognizing that, then, you know, you have to move to, well, then I'm going to put my money that I'm generating, that I should be investing decisions around a variety of things, and whether you know a retirement plan. Uh, for first of all, uh, it's highly unlikely that a um, you, you know a, a consultant, a non W two, ten ninety nine, or highly unlikely the four hundred one k will be the best option, even if they do want to consider a retirement type of plan. But, you know, there are other things like, you know, you guys do uh, that are, um, you know, don't require active involvement. Now, I, you, you know, I have uh, rental properties and commercial property, uh, but, you know, the rental property takes hands on time. <laughs> uh, you know, unless you're going to hire everything out, I, I don't. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I actually physically am better off if I'm engaged uh, two, three hours a day doing physical yeah, I have a farm I bought as an investment property. You know, my uh, wife converted to, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so she gets a lot of pleasure of that. I just said, hey, don't screw up a good investment with the horses. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she she gets tremendous pleasure of that. And, uh, you know, it's a decent, uh, been, been a good investment uh, property. It has two rental houses on it. But, you know, I'm looking at, you know, time. Uh, an effort into that. So that's something you have to ask yourself, you know, when you start, you're looking at these uh, other alternatives, uh, you, you know, they're generally not self-maintaining other, other than a few, you know, most of them, uh, you know, if, you, if you're going to be trading stocks or bonds related on your own, you know, you got to commit time and significant effort to it. Uh, it's reality. Okay. I'm sure. Sure. And that's part of being an active investor as well. And and again, this all comes down to what are you trying to accomplish with your money and figuring out the best way and the best tools to do that. And so I, I really think this has been a really valuable conversation. Can you share just real briefly, um, you're working on another book. I believe this would be your fifth, right? Well, I'm oh. sorry. Yes, go ahead. Rachel, let me just make a comment before we get off that. Well, and actually it'll tie into the book itself though. But um, you know, that is, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer 
that once you've accumulated significant assets or they're in your retirement or otherwise, that you uh, need to be uh, more protective of what you've built than worrying about mm-hmm. maximizing growth. I agree 100%, yeah. That you know, you've worked hard, you've paid a price to build what you've built and um, having to replace it again isn't fun. Oh, no, no. And, and you're older to replace and, it. And you're, and you're older. And so protecting, and this will get into, into the book because it's something I get into there, but I believe protection becomes a lot more important to maximizing growth. And you know, I know you folks work in that area. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, a great tie-in. Thank you for sharing that. So Ted, how does that then relate to the, the new book, the new accomplishment that you're working on right now? Okay. The well, the the book I've decided to title four hundred one k forty years later, and you know there are, uh, the major themes of it are the history of four hundred one k in detail, including fees and the history of fees and you know how we got there. And as I mentioned earlier, that's that's definitely not a pretty picture. Uh, you know the next is uh, you know why defined benefit plans are dying. What why in fact. You have as much investment risk today. If you're in a pension plan, it doesn't matter whether it's Social Security, state or local government, or private employer, you have as much investment risk as if you were in a 401k plan. You just don't know it. Yes. So mm-hmm. a key point around that that I'm stressing, and you have the opportunity to get your money out of any of those plans. You should get it out as soon as you can because it's not secure. And you know, the uh, then the third, which is tying into what I was saying earlier, is I have some, you know, my, my training is mathematics. And so I've gone through and I learned a long time ago in uh, helping a corporate client select an investment manager that average return is pretty meaningless. That higher average return doesn't mean you'll have more money. You know, the, the key is the extent of the ups and downs. And when you're doing your screwing up and measuring. And so that exercise taught me that it's a lot more important to have less dramatic ups and downs, unless you like, you know, riding roller coasters. <laughs> uh, you know, that the rat, rabbit may win the race, or I'm sorry, the turtle may win the race, depending how uh, you're, when you're measuring. And what was extremely revealing as I've worked on this book and this piece is that Retirees and those nearing retirement who are following typical investment strategy that's promoted out there are taking extremely uh, extraordinary, much higher levels of risk than they should be. Agreed. Much higher. And uh, potential to get hammered uh, without being able to recover is uh, pretty scary. Absolutely agreed. That's fascinating. That's in the book. Yes. That's great. Can can you share? Um, you're working on some additional work right now with Compassion International. Can you share that as we're I'm getting close to wrapping up here? Yeah, I have a uh, I've known a couple of the board members for years, and you know, recently as I was uh, you know considering whether to do something or not, working through that, and I um, was thinking about maybe volunteering, you know, to you go off and help uh, Compassion International. Hey, maybe even go down to Honduras for a week or whatever, you know. And kind of came to mind that, that uh, prob- probably I could do something more productive than that, not that I'm opposed to it. But 
the idea came to mind was, hey, I, I wasn't able to get a patent or copyright. So therefore, those who would be benefiting from 401k either professionally or as participants, I'd be earning something from it. But the idea of saying, well, as a thank you, how about either supporting the child for compassion or, you know, they have four great projects. If you don't want to do a you know, monthly support of a child that you could do one time you know, projects like clean water and, you know, early health of a child and, you know, four, four different projects. So, so I'm kind of recommend, suggesting to people, well, if you want to do a thank you, why check out compassion and uh, consider one of those opportunities. Well, that's excellent. Thank you for your work there and for encouraging others to give back and do the same. So as we conclude then, how can people reach out to you if they wanted to get a hold of your new book that's coming out or um, or reach out to you for consulting as well? I know you mentioned your website at the beginning um, and we'll make sure that we have that in the show notes as well, benna401k.com. Um, but tell a little bit more about how they can connect with you. Uh, that, that'll work. Uh, you know, my uh, email, if somebody wants to go that route, it's uh, tbenna. B-E-N-N-A-Comcast.net. Excellent. Excellent. And I can make sure that that's in the show notes as well. Bruce, is there anything that you wanted to share as we close? No, I just wanted to thank Ted for being on today and um, and really helping people um, really understand that his position, I believe, is um, the, the middle class is the are the people that are really being overlooked in during this time period and his um, efforts to at least educate them financially is amiable. And um, the employers, as we continue with a top job, uh, job market will have to do something to try to move the needle. And hopefully the, uh, the private sector will be able to get their act together and do this in, in some form whether it's a reformed 401k or a, uh, another way to help the, uh, the employees save money because Rachel and I uh, are all about saving first and, uh, and delaying gratification into the future. Absolutely. And just want to as well, then kind of as we close today, share that as our listeners, as you're making financial decisions, I encourage you to think through the purpose of your money and what you want that to accomplish. And as we continue to be open-minded and consider the alternatives, consider what the pros and cons and the um, and, and what the tools help us to accomplish. It really helps us to make decisions with confidence that will move us forward. So if you would like to create a comprehensive strategy to keep in control more of the money you already make, you can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com to request your free financial picture conversation. And that will help you to maximize your wealth today and in the future by discovering money that's flowing out of your control and money that's flowing into your control to maximize the dollars that you have flowing back into your control so that your end result is having more to retain and utilize during your lifetime and more to pass on to future generations. Again, thank you for being with us this morning. Um, Thank you. Special thanks to our guest, Ted Benna. And thank you to our listeners. You can email us with your questions and comments to hello at themoneyadvantage.com. You can get today's show notes and resources at themoneyadvantage.com. In closing, remember, success leaves clues. So follow the successful few, not the crowd, 
and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.